Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on today's podcast, episode 119. My returning guest, dear friend, collaborator Donna Rodenizer is joining me for a conversation about our new resource, Vocal Studies for Kids. Now, Donna is a classroom teacher. I am a private teacher. This has been a very unique project, and we want to share some of the challenges that we have faced in creating this, and also some of the wonderful insight into helping our young singers. We specifically talk about helping them develop pitch and musicianship skills, and it's a fun conversation. Now, before I welcome Donna on to the podcast. I want to remind everybody that our website is there for you. The free resources page is where you can find amazing, fun downloads that you can use right now with your teaching studios. Please visit thefullvoice.com forward slash free resources and get started with some fun singing activities for your students today. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast. My friend, my colleague, Donna Rodenizer, how are you? I am very well, thank you. And how are you and how are you and Andy handling being quarantined and staying close to home these past few weeks? How how are things? (laughs) Well, you know, in in reality, although I do miss seeing my grandkids and my mom and my family, we are currently working on creating some online stuff and re-creating uh, a website page from scratch. So we've got more we've got more work to do than this quarantine will last. <laughs> so now we don't have any excuse to go out, and we have to sit at our desks and do our work. So in that respect. This is not so bad for some stay-at-home discipline and get some work done. So, well, I also, it would be nice to go out to the beach, I have to say. Oh, yes. Nova Scotia has some of the most beautiful beaches. I know my sister is yes. missing them very, very much. Um, yes. I, I also wanted to just tell everybody, you and Andy have been doing your living room sessions. You've been oh, sharing... Yes. You've been sharing a beautiful piece of music every day, and it has been truly wonderful. Uh, whose idea? Whose idea was that? Was it you or was it Andy? It was actually my idea. Yeah. I, I was sitting at my desk, and I, I was watching a lot of um, curriculum discussions going by. I am I am now retired from the music classroom, but my teaching colleagues um, are are trying to hit the ground running and and providing online music education. For their students, the same as your vocal studios are doing privately. But um, I was thinking, you know what? There's lots and lots of people out there creating curriculum Mm -hmm. and and doing that kind of thing. And I just need to create some music. Mm -hmm. And so I said, said, let's let's post something that's just music every day. And that's kind of where where we went. Um, And it's it's fun for us. So. Well, I love it because, you know, one night you're playing the piano, next night you're doing a violin, next day, I mean, it's just such a wonderful variety of music. Um, And uh, of course, I share them. And and I again, I want to thank you for all that wonderful music. It's been just lovely to see all these musicians and people who are sharing their talents online. I think, uh, I think that for me, that's one of the things that has been beautiful during this very stressful time is the musicians willing to share their passion and their love for singing and music and is just that is one of the things that has taken my breath away so thank you for for doing what you guys are doing you're Um, welcome on my part the other thing that I think is very interesting about all of that is the people that are turning to music because they need something that can give them comfort or that can give them a focus or Mm -hmm. to just give them a piece of of rest and music provides that not only in the music that we're making and when we're making it but you've been talking about this to your teachers as well for your 
lessons and keeping your kiddos singing. Mm. That is so important when everything else is turned upside down, that they're still able to create and make music because our souls need that. And so oh. that's wonderful that, that the kids are still being able to, to tune in and do an online lesson. Yeah, it's different than it was before. Everything's different than it was before, but there's still that magic of, ah, there's my teacher and we're singing and there's something still right with my world. Yes. So that part's important also. I, I thank you for saying that. I, I have to say I, I was teaching for a couple of hours today and you know, when your when your face pops up on the screen and, and they see you and their faces light up and they're like, Oh, there she is. I can't tell you what joy that brings. And of course I feel the same way when I see their cute little faces and you know, often they have a pet hanging out with them. That's a bonus. Uh, but yeah. it's been lovely to see them. And, and again, I don't know what I'd do if I could not see my students through this. And I, I want to shout out to uh, like all the classroom teachers. Um, my son's teacher has been just phenomenal reaching out. Um, she she took the time to call. She's been sending emails. She's been checking in. I, I and, and she always says in her emails, you know, I miss everybody so much. And I and whenever I read that, I think, Oh man, I'm so lucky. I I can at least online still see my kids. So yeah, it's such a And they are your kids. They are our kids. Like we we constantly as teachers in all walks of teaching um talk about our kids. And they are our kids. Yeah, it's true. Now, I am so excited. Uh it has been a very interesting process and I want to share with everybody kind of what we've been doing for the last, I don't know, how long have we been working on this project so far? It's like been months. Oh, yeah. 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 I think we started last year. So I approached Donna last year and I said, I would like to work on a resource for the young singers. Um, and I want to create little songs and little vocal studies for kids. Um, I remember when I was 12... Uh, my teacher gave me a, a copy of the Vakai studies, which are not appropriate really for a 12 year old, <laughs> but I, I got through some of them, but th you, writing songs for children and studies for children is a different process. And we've had so much fun. Um, I've sent just ideas to you. So for anybody wondering, like this is, this is the Easter bunny hop, hop, hop. So <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden I realized that Easter was a few days away and I had completely forgotten. So I sent Donna an email and I said, hey, friend, <laughs> if you're not busy, what do you think about writing a little song about bunny rabbits hopping on arpeggios for like a freebie Friday? And I think I sent it to you at 1130 in the morning. And at eight o'clock in my, in my inbox is a little Easter bunny hop, hop, hop song. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I often write songs much better and faster when there's other things I should be doing that are less fun. So <laughs> if I should be inputting receipts or helping, you know, clean something or, or something that's editing or whatever, <laughs> if, if I have a chance to write a song, it's like, Oh yeah, that'd be way more fun. So that's that takes precedence. So taxes, I've right? I've many, many, many meals because it's like it'd be way more fun to write a song, oh, you know, that kind of thing. So I've done that yeah. too. I forever burn yeah. the grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, dear. with um so we were testing, we were testing um our the vocal studies and we started writing these little um, we call them warm-up song adventures. So they're usually, you know, 16 bars, 20 bars, little melodies with, with, a, with a focus in mind. And we've had a lot of fantastic conversations. I'm a private voice teacher. You're a classroom teacher. We have two different, uh, two different environments in which we are helping children. And it's interesting because... You took some of the studies back to your classroom and you tried them and I took them into my private studio and we were testing them and we've had such, such a great 
conversation and learning from each other, but just realizing that there's different needs in different environments. So what are some of the challenges for the classroom teacher or the small group singing teacher that are that you find in your experience? Right off the bat, if you've got a classroom, let, let's let's go to you, the utopia of teaching and say, let's say you've got a classroom of 24 students. Okay. That's small. That's that that would be lovely. Often it's you know 28 or 29 or whatever. So you've got 24 six-year-olds, right. and in that group of six-year-olds, you've got 10 kids who can sing at pitch without any problem at all. You've got six or eight kids that with a couple of one-on-one, like, oh, can you adjust that for me? Can you try that again for me? Can you get there? You've got three or four that have no idea where their head voice is at mm. all. So that everything is kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. and you've got at least four or five kids who don't want to sing oh. because it's not part of their family culture or anything else like that. And then you've got, you know, four or five kids that are like, oh, yes, let's do whatever you say. <laughs> so I know that adds up to more than 24, but some of those kids are the same kid, right? Okay. <laughs> so that is one of the things that we have as a hurdle in the music classroom that I'm thinking you don't have when, specifically when you're one-on-one. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. a child that's coming for voice lessons, unless they're being strong-armed to come by a parent, mm-hmm. um, you're you're one step ahead of that. Plus, whatever they do, you can kind of check in and sort of mold and shape and whatever one-on-one as they go so Mm -hmm. i've got susie that isn't singing at pitch but that day i actually only talked to michael right so i haven't done anything to to sort of mold her shape her so she spent a whole day singing it wherever she sang it Mm -hmm. um because i can't get to everybody on the same day so every time you've got a group that's that's one of your challenges is Mm -hmm. to to be able to to shape and mold the child where they are when when they need it and and that's harder in a group oh for sure yeah one advantage i do have is in the classroom is that a lot of the songs that we do are singing games mm-hmm. and so we do many many like age five six seven year olds a lot of the classroom material is a singing game we're going to play this game and they just think they're playing a game and they're just happy to have a turn being the dog and and singing away and and you have multiple multiple repetitions which if you have one child again it's like okay we're going to sing this again okay well why you know right so that i think is is a plus in the classroom <clears throat> sorry i'm gonna drink out of my happy singing mug <laughs> <laughs> you're well swagged mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway so when you when you've got when you've got a group what's what's your kind of group dynamic like okay so see now i full disclosure i started doing small group vocal classes uh one because my studio is not big enough for more than so many kids but also full disclosure i my magic number the the amount of kids that i can handle is five maybe six on a good day and I know you're gonna laugh at me because you <laughs> she's laughing you can't see but Donna Rodenizer <laughs> is laughing at me right now um it's true actually I'm, I'm green with envy <laughs> oh okay well I I I have been a one-on-one teacher for such a long time and I'm so used to focusing and making corrections that in a even in a small group when I hear someone that needs more support, I want to kind of focus on them. That, but then, of course, you're abandoning the rest of them. And it's such a different energy and it's such a different dynamic. And when I was first starting the classes, I think the first group I had was eight. And that was just three too many. And, and, it, was, and it was only an hour. And I, it, was, it was a great learning experience. And I... <laughs> I, I'm very happy right now because I will cap my classes at six max. And I have learned to keep the ages very, very close. Like all of my singers are in the yeah. same grade. And I that also has is a is a is a an advantage. Um I'm also very lucky in small group classes, you're right, 
nobody's being strong armed or forced to do something that they don't want to do. And all my students are there because they really love singing and because parents have seen that they love singing and now they would like them to explore more opportunities. So yes, I, I did have one, one little one in one of my classes that I don't think really wanted to be there. And actually I posted about her in the forum and she was a big challenge and she made that class really miserable, not just for me, but for other kids. So I can't imagine what the classroom teacher goes through when you've got a handful of kids that don't want to be there or don't want to participate for whatever reason. Yeah, no, it's a challenge for sure. Here, I, I don't know if you've done this in your group, but if you've got a child in a group of five that needs some sort of molding and shaping to keep your other um, participants sort of involved, you can always get one of them to be the teacher. Mm, that's it's, a great tip. It's a, a chance for them for you to see what they have, have actually caught on what you're trying to uh, That was a really bad sentence. Sean, <laughs> help me. <laughs> Edit Don't that out, that please. In. Yeah, cut that out. And that'll stay in. And <laughs> Yeah. When you've, when you've got a group of students and you've got one that kind of needs some special attention, you can get somebody else in the group to be the teacher. So you say, can you three sing and you two be the teacher and tell me one really great thing that these people are doing or tell me one thing that they can do to help them because they're finding this hard. And I think it's really important to, to use vocabulary and, and we're all in this growth mindset um, sort of philosophy now. It's like make mistakes. Oh, for goodness sake, make mistakes and learn from mistakes. Don't think it has to be right all the time because our children don't know how to fail because everybody's always, oh, that's wonderful, whatever you do. Um, so that's also a, a good learning tool. Anyway, if you have some of the students that are able to to be the teacher, you can kind of focus on what they're saying. You can focus on the kids that are actually singing. And then after they're done doing that, like, like there are, are ways to involve them. Mm -hmm. So you're not just one child getting all the attention. The other four are going to, you know. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great what? tip. That's a great tip. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to ask you uh, about some of your strategies and how you would you manage these things. So one of the things that many of us have discovered upon moving to online lessons is that some of our young singers are not as secure in their pitch as we thought mm -hmm. they were. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And teaching, teaching by rote, uh, teaching uh, in column response, or because in in the classroom you don't necessarily work with a piano. It, we very rarely do any of our singing games with a piano. Sometimes I'll grab a ukulele every now and then just for the fun of it. But um, but most of the singing games and activities we do are unaccompanied. So, so they're they're hearing vocal modeling, and that's it. So so if you're teaching by rote, uh, do you do like a warm up with the kids first, and then you would start to teach the song? How how do you get their tonal centers kind of started? What do you usually do? Um, we do we do uh, uh, what do I call them? I have cards with shapes on them. We sing shapes. Ooh. Um, so we've got like lines and waves oh, and, vocal expression and, and circles lines. and dots, expression lines and stuff. Uh, um, and yes. you can either get the students to draw those or you can you can do them. I have them on a card um, and I just flip through the cards. Sometimes I do them upside down and right side up and whatever. We can do that. I've got a couple of little songs like Humpty Dumpty and Hickory Dickory Dock that we do by by um, changing your voice wherever Humpty Dumpty. So I start Humpty Dumpty up on the wall. Okay. Go, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't uh -huh. put Humpty together again. So we do that. But then we put different things at the bottom of the wall so that when Humpty falls off the wall, he doesn't land on the ground and smash. So then we get trampoline. So we go, he, he, he fall. So you're doing <laughs> vocalizing. But again, they, they just think they're being silly and having fun. Oh, so important. And, and that's that's the big key in in that whole you know, I'd like to think in the classroom that my students are having enough fun that even the ones that think that they don't want to sing 
that are doing Humpty Dumpty jumping on a trampoline are having a great time doing that and they don't realize they're doing anything pedagogical. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. When you, um, when you're teaching by rote, um, and you, you are, you have been trained in Kadai and or yes. so, so you've got a melody, you've got a simple melody. Um, how do you approach the singing by rote method? How do you, how do you do that with your class? That's call and response. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of it. And again, in a classroom, when you've got multiple, multiple kids, you're not going to be focusing on who's actually singing in tune necessarily in, in that song. When that sort of kind of locks and loads for a classroom music teacher would be in a game song where you've got an individual response in mm. a game. Oh, okay. And that's, that's where it gets. And, and it's a slow, slow, nudgy process. It's sort of like, like you know, one day, and I keep a clipboard, I, I keep track of who's had a turn and, and whatever. So you've got a child that answers, like, who found the pocket? I found the pocket. Oh, great. They can match a pitch without any kind of um, other external instructions. And you, you put a little number one next to that, and you go on. And the next day, you've got somebody, or the same day, you've got somebody, and, and you saying, who has the pocket? I have the pocket. And so you say, okay, well, they're in a head voice, but it's not at pitch. And after they're comfortable with you as, as their sort of uh, supportive music teacher, and you can mm-hmm. start to push them a little bit, then on another day, you can say, can you make your voice match mine? So I do lots of visual things with my hands and in and, and your body and that kind of stuff and say, like, my voice was here, your voice was here. Can you make your voice go and find mine? Mm. So start where they were mm-hmm. so that they can hear that. And if that's kind of naturally where they land, then they can start there and then see if they can bring it up. Now, if they go, oh, I found the pocket, you go, great. Now my voice was here and your voice was here. It was closer. And you go on and you just do those little incremental steps. And it takes a long time. I'm really glad you said that. I think that I think in the private studio, these are just my thoughts. And I think in the private studio, one we have been over-supporting our students. We want quick results. Mm. Uh, some teachers feel a lot of pressure on them to, you know, have kids singing and performing. And, and I've certainly experienced that where, you know, I have a student that joins late in the year and, oh, my goodness, the recital's a couple months away and I got to get them ready to perform. Like, I've experienced that. But I think teachers put a lot of pressure on themselves and I think we are over supporting them because we often sing and play with them and and Mm. I know that uh when I when we started researching this is many years ago the full voice workbooks we started doing more activities without the piano using the solfege and and stepping away from the piano and doing uh, like the hand signs and the activity cards and um it was awkward for the kids at first, but they really built their confidence up. And I think what's happening now is online lessons. We can't sing with them. We can't play with them. And Mm. we've got to, we've got, the kids have all this, this space and they have to figure it out. And I know that many teachers are feeling very stressed out about this. And I'm really glad that you said that this is a, this is a long process. So I would like to say that to the teachers, first of all, your, your students, I don't think, have regressed. They've not gotten worse. They are just navigating now with less support. And what you're hearing is in line of where they are at. And that doesn't mm-hmm. make you a bad teacher. It just, it just tells us that we have to slow our pacing down. How do you feel about all of those comments? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if if you look at if you look at kids pedagogically from like I see them at age 5. Some of them now are 4 when they arrive. That's right. And so when when we start singing and doing all those musical activities I have told parents they'll they'll come, you know, the, to the October parent report card teacher meeting and say, you know, my kid started in September, can they can they sing in tune and, and are they playing instruments and whatever? I said, listen, come back and talk to me when they're in grade two. 
<laughs> right? Like I'm talking, I am talking from age four in the classroom to six, seven, eight. Mm -hmm. By then, they they may have settled into being able to a know how to find their own head voice and B put their head voice where I'm asking them to put their head voice, which is not necessarily where they're comfortable or mm. where is their natural place. So you've got a child that can sing the alphabet completely in tune in pitch with the proper intervals, but it happens to be a fourth lower mm. than I might be asking them to sing. Are they singing out of tune? No, they just haven't figured out or developed enough to be able to sing where I'm asking them. So it again, that's that some of that is is pedagogically like they just need that time to get there. I I agree. I agree. And I also think too, as a private teacher, this conversation comes up a lot, but we now see and you and I have talked about this too, because we've often been debating which keys we want the songs mm -hmm. to be in. You and I have gone back and forth a lot with that. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the challenge now is that a lot of our young kids are listening to what we refer to as chess dominant pop singing. Mm -hmm. And they're, and they're hearing that sound and they want to make that sound quality. And, and you're right. It is challenging sometimes for them to get into the higher sounds, um, and to, and where they, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, where they think they are comfortable is, isn't necessarily where they are vocally comfortable, but it's where they want to, it's where the sound is that they're trying to create. Yeah. So you do have, see a lot of kids trying to push their voices down low, 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 because they're listening to that sound from adult singers. And that's always been an issue. And we we want we want to have students that are singing and modeling high, like healthy singing for a child and that's hard when their ears are filled with adult singing and, and where else will where where are they hearing those children's voices and that modeling because exactly. people are not singing at home with children as i mean when i was growing up we all sang you you you'd sit around and you would hear a soprano an alto a tenor a bass cuz cuz that's you know how that all rolls but but if the, if all the child is hearing is that pop music and in that uh vocal range then yeah they're they're gonna they're gonna model what they are hearing and that's one of the reasons why all of those games and those those sliding your voice from your chest into your head just as a game just to to get them used to moving their voice around is mm. an important stepping stone to finding pitch Mm -hmm. um, that, that's higher. Now, when you're working, you have, well, you had your school choir. Mm -hmm. um, what ages were you working with? I've had school choirs at all grade levels uh, at some point in time. But uh, the last few years, I had a grade four, five group of students. So they would be nine, 10, nice. 11 years old. Um, and when I'm really lucky, I get eight-year-olds um, in that grouping because they have those beautiful, clear um, uh, voices that I, I love to, to put in that mix. So if I if I got to pick my ideal choir, grade grade three to six would would sort of oh, cover the whole gamut. Um, and in that situation, more like a private studio, I studio I imagine um, I do vocal warm-ups and we you know do you know half step higher half step higher half step higher and we stretch so we're trying to sing like the g above the g above middle c mm -hmm. i think it's is a g3 yeah, g5 anyway and and um i can do those things that i cannot necessarily do in the classroom just mm. because it's a different clientele right um so that that's always amazing and we get into part singing and and we do solfege hand signs and all of all of that stuff in in the choir setting, which is the frosting for me as a music teacher to be able to to do that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, now, at the beginning of the interview, you were telling us you've been working on some websites. Can you? What's going on? What's going on with with all things Donna and Andy? We have. Uh, 
five recordings for kids that we've put out and we've got printed music that goes with all of those. And when we originally put that all out, my concept was that music teachers needed repertoire for their kids to sing. Mm -hmm. So once you've taken everything apart and you've you've done the Kodai elements and they know what the rhythms are and what the solfege names are and all that kind of stuff, at some point in time you need to put the music back together. Yes. We have to, to not always just give them the bits. Mm -hmm. And um, so for school concerts and that kind of stuff, I needed music for my students and they needed music to sing. And so we um, created song collections and made those available in printed books. So you'd have 12 songs, mm -hmm. and it would be kind of a range for younger singers to grade six and a variety of different topics. And over the years, we've uh, done our recordings that then support those books, and that's all great. But there's so many people that are now working online and working digitally, and so we're trying to convert that over to be as um, accessible to to musicians that are dealing with kids as possible. So we are actually creating a new website and trying to create um, a membership platform so that people have access to whatever they need, whenever they need it um, with a, a membership and they can find repertoire and they can find teaching tips. And um, since we've all gone to homeschooling in the last <laughs> while. Um, we also think that a lot of the activities that we've created in our teacher resources that we put in there so that music teachers and regular classroom teachers could work together mm -hmm. um, which is a novel concept, I know, but um, to take the music <laughs> out, of the, out of the music classroom and be able to say to your grade two teacher, here's a song the kids are learning about penguins. Here's this book. It's got 10 activities that you can do that involve social studies and math and language arts and that kind of stuff. So the students know this music already, but it expands out of the four walls of the music room. But these activities now in an online membership availability to parents who are looking for things that are educational for their kids to do that has a music component or starts with the music and goes into other subjects, it's kind of the right time to, mm -hmm. to have this all come online. Now we were working on this before now, and it's it, we've been working on this uh, two years almost to get this new website up. So it's it's every week we say this week is going to be the week. So it's got to be close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have so so much material that I mean, it's not like you just have a couple of pieces that you have, right. You have like years and years of music, and that is the other issue in in that like I I have these three. Uh, collections of just regular material. I've got a, a collection of 12 songs that are all in French, and then we've got a Christmas collection. But I've got all of these pieces of music that have been written since those collections mm. that we we just have to start sending them out piece by piece because mm -hmm. I can't keep up with with uh, creating them in, into books. And people actually may not necessarily want 12 songs when they I've just want one. I think that's one of the most beautiful things now about purchasing music online. There's many musical theater shows that I don't want to purchase the entire mm -hmm. show. I just want the song that is perfect for my, you know, 14 year old singer and she's going to sing it. And I love being able to go and just buy the one song and not have to buy the whole song book. Um, and I also love that, uh, it's accessible for my parents. Like I could say, you should yes. go buy it. <laughs> right. So I, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I know that many teachers, uh, you know, learned about your music or discovered your music when it was part of the RCM uh, series back in, I think it was 2012. And the and used to and your your music is still in there with the new series 2019. Yes, it is. So um, I'm just so glad that that you're continuing to put out your your resources and make them more accessible. And and I appreciate how challenging navigating a website is. Oh yeah, it's a lot of work. One of, one of the very interesting things about the the new project that we've got coming up with the the vocal studies and those things is 
you keep sending me songwriting ideas, which <laughs> as, as a composer, you know, people say, oh, how do you get your ideas for your songs? And, and you, you become a people watcher, a life watcher, a, a listener for funny little phrases that will, you know, kind of pique your interest and, and turn into a song. But, you know, I open up an email and you say, gee, could you write a song about a koala or do you have any songs about, you know, <laughs> rabbits at Easter? And it's sort of like, oh, I think I could do that. And and so it's it's really uh, a, a great creative process to say, OK, today I'm going to write a song about an Easter rabbit. I mean, you know, so well, that, that's great fun. I have to shout out to my students because they are a lot of the inspiration. So for those of you that have enjoyed the cactus song, so... <laughs> So the cactus song, I don't know why, probably because you can get them at the, the supermarket checkout or something, but I, my kids have been giving me little cactuses and succulents as gifts at the, at the end of the year and at Christmas time. So I, I literally had to move a table into my teaching studio where all, because you, you wanted the kids to know that you like their gifts and I love plants. So I kept getting all these cacti and succulents as gifts. So I literally have a table and they're beautiful and, and they've done very well. I don't know whether it's the singing in my studio or the sun, sunny window, but we were talking. I might have been Esther. I can't remember which one of my students. And I think she looked at me and she's like, you know, cact cactuses are seriously cool plants. And I was like, they are. They are cool plants. And then I and then I wrote some lyrics and Esther and I were kind of trying to rhyme a few things. And I said, isn't it funny? Like um, plant and succulent kind of can rhyme. And then then I sent the lyrics to you. And I said, I wrote this song with one of my students. Do you, or wrote these lyrics. And then you sent back almost the next day, this funny little jumpy tune. And it was perfect. And I played it for Esther and she literally sang it and bounced out of the studio after her lesson. Like she skipped down the hall and down the stairs and out the door singing the cactus song. That's great. That's so, great. and I was like, I, I Hmm, that's a good sign. I love song. hearing when the, when the students are are excited about singing as well. That makes it makes the composer's heart happy um, <laughs> to to know that their music is is something that makes somebody else happy and want to sing. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a, a, a wonderful feeling. It was interesting trying to come up because I had been doing a couple of different other pieces um, at the same time as the cactus one, and I, I had started to write a. a a melody for that and I thought you know like you really don't want it to be doobie 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 because cactuses are all short and prickly mm -hmm. and 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 so I, I thought well you know cactus and then <laughs> put lots of rests in it and stuff like that so so it kind of I thought oh now now can I put all those rests in and I remember sending it back to you and saying is it okay if there's rests in it because I know you're trying to teach them singing, but rests are part of singing, right? So uh, it just seemed to fit to make it jumpy and short. And well, it worked out. It really worked out well because with the rests, that became in some lessons that became actually the study was you have to put the rests in there. And so, so there was some clapping challenges and I did this with my small group vocal class. So they have been singing the cactus song for a while. So my students are always tortured a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're my little lovely guinea singing guinea pigs. Um, so what I do now is I split the group. So three and two and one 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 group has to be the rest clappers and the Excellent. other group are the singers so you'll have like three of them a cactus and then the other two is a prickly plant and the, i have to say the first time we did that it was not successful and it was very awkward and lots of mistakes but we had a great time and now they're super accurate and I can switch them up and they're counting and 
it's so much fun. So the rests, although it was challenging with the rests to teach them, um, because their tendency is to just want to sing and not rest, it's a great study for that reason. And that's one of the reasons why we, I love that study. When you do the rests, do you ever do the rests that have a motion or something that makes no sound? Explain. Okay, so if you've got a cactus, clap, 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 is it da 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 da, right? Yeah. Or you can say, uh, uh, tap your shoulders. So a cactus, tap, 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 is it da So you can feel it, but you aren't hearing oh. it because eventually a rest, because I don't know about you, but when I, you know, I'm singing or playing, I don't go, rest, 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 where the rest are. <laughs> so. Okay, that's a good tip. I'm always. If you can get them to feel. (laughs) So a a lot of the things that I'm doing, and I'm doing this just as a self-preservation thing, but in my classroom when I've got a whole whack of kids and we're doing things that are keeping the beat, I very often do things that they can kinesthetically feel the beat, but they're not making any sound. That is a great tip. So the rest's the same thing. Again, as a as a, with a small group, I'm not too concerned about volume. But you're right; it we need to have silence because that's what a rest is. That's a great tip. Okay, I will I will make them do that next week, and I'll let you know make how it that. goes. Every time Nikki talks to Donna, we have to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all I have to say to any of my singers uh, is. Oh, Donna wrote a new song and they immediately are like, really? What's it about? And they're always intrigued. So you have a reputation in my, in my studio and in my groups that they're going to have fun no matter what. So now I want to, uh, sure that I'm pretty sure that that's the case in your classes anyway, regardless of whose repertoire you're singing, Nikki, I, I expect <laughs> they think they're going to come and have fun in I, your class. I would like <laughs> I would like to, I hope that that's the case. I'm pretty sure it is. My goal, (laughs) whether it's a private lesson or whether it's a small group class, my goal, I really want to make sure that they leave my room, my studio, or right now, as I wave goodbye to them (laughs) on the Zoom call, um, I want to make sure they've got a smile on their face. I want to make sure, like like little Esther and Kennedy that bounce out of my studio, um, that they leave singing and humming and that they feel really good about themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I That is so important. I, I can't tell you how many times I have had adults come to my studio for lessons and the amount of lifetime trauma that they have in regards to their voices is it's just so sad and it's just so hard to work through and I I see this too often and these are people that have sung their entire lives but there's something that's just holding them back or a fear or somebody said something mean about their voices when they were young and uh, I hope that in creating a safe space in my studio that they never have that experience that they can always sing and it's and they never feel embarrassed or they they will join that choir when they're 70 you know yeah i've i've often said you know i i i know there are students that have left the elementary classroom um, where they've spent time with me and they're not able to read notes or they're not uh, overly successful playing the recorder but I, if I have been able to instill in them a love mm. of music and they are then going to look for and uh, join future musical endeavors and activities, I have been a successful teacher. Mm. I love it. If, if they can read notes and if they can sing in tune um, and they can do all of the things that I'm teaching, that's bonus. But if they continue, if I can teach them so that they love it enough and are confident enough in, in themselves to continue, then the world is completely open to them. I love it. They can go anywhere. I love it. That that is and it, what a gift, right? Like like just doors and doors and opportunities are available to them, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. I have one more question in your in your private studio when you're teaching them your simple solfege and, and uh, like a triad study or things with rests, mm. do you ever get your students to compose? Not as much as I should. 
not uh, even if you get them to 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 take the words and just change out like change four notes in this song to be something some other note that you want and then they have to kind of approach it with purpose it's it's another way when when you're writing or creating with something you have to actually know what you're doing Mm -hmm. with that concept so if you say okay this song hop uh, the easter bunny hopping song um is is built mostly on triads so all you've got is three notes in your triad or four if you're going to do the top do and the bottom do um say okay every time that you've got a note that's in the triad you can switch those for whichever notes you want now there are a couple spots in that song that aren't in the triad and so you'd have to find those so a that's a way of kind of zeroing into that Mm -hmm. but it's a really neat way to say well do they know what the triad is do they know what those four notes are are they just singing by rote or or can they actually say okay i know it should be do or me or so or high do um and so instead of singing do do me me do do so i'm going to flip that around the other way and go so so me me so so though like it's it's a really great tool to see what they've internalized and it also gives them some creative control over what they're doing without saying write a song that's which is totally scary see i don't do that enough and and i being that my background in school was jazz i i will do that more with my teenagers Mm. and but you're right i I, i'm i need to do that more with my young ones um and especially when there's only like one or two elements like like make it narrow mm. enough that they they can have success find all the so's and me's and switch them around oh i love that i'm gonna do that thank you and if they don't like that exercise i'm gonna blame it on you okay (laughs) donna said i have to make you guys do this Um, now you can, you can switch that around and with your older students, particularly you can, you can leave the melodic set intact and get them to write their own lyrics as well. Mm. Like in that whole composition piece, if you can give them some structure and take one element out that they're going to manipulate, then, then that composing becomes way more accessible. I love that. I always say composing is just manipulating what you know. Mm. It's just arranging what you know in a different way. I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I need to do that more with my younger students. We we did a bit of that exercise in our Christmas resource that we put out last year um, because we were looking at things like rhythmic improvisation and, mm-hmm. and, and adding ornaments. But again, we, we were thinking more of the intermediate, the more advanced student. But I, you're right. I think that there's opportunities for us to improvise and to compose with the kids i've written so me songs with my five-year-old kids in in kindergarten oh wow everybody takes a shoe and they put it i put put a string on the floor or i have a step or whatever and everybody puts their shoe where they want it above the line or below the line (laughs) and we create a so me song and then we sing it oh that's brilliant we we talk about the fact that they're all composers and they they love you see them standing there thinking now do i want it above the line or below the line do i want to sew or do i want to me do i want it high do i want it low like and this is a big decision where they're going to put their shoe oh i love songs like that with shoes and and erasers and books and people and like whatever just and again that's a simple manipulation of two sounds but they have to know that that you've got a high sound and a low sound. It's really interesting watching them, and then they start to to, to uh, huddle, and you say, "Oh, everybody, put your everybody put your shoe above the line, so it's all going to be all so's." And then they <laughs> laugh, and they think that's so funny, and and it's that's amazing. Like they're taking that ownership, but they know what they're creating. I love that. So that's cool. That's yeah. a great activity. Okay, I, I think I'm going to steal that for sure. Now I wanted to ask you. So our new resource. Vocal warm-ups, or no, sorry, not vocal warm-ups, vocal studies for kids. Out of all of our little songs on there, what's your favorite? Ooh. I know. I think right now, windy weather because it's so lush and it's kind of over the top for, you know, the the chord changes are, are beautiful. and I love it. And that way but uh they're they're fun to to um try to create different feelings and different accompaniments i mean you've got what eight bars or 16 bars i know 
put this message. And, and sometimes it's like telling a joke, like it's short. You got mm-hmm. kind of a line to introduce it, a line to kind of fill things in, a line to set it up. And here's the, here's the punchline and you're done. <laughs> and, and it has to rhyme and it has to scan and it has to fit whatever, but, but, uh, no, that, that would probably be my, what's your favorite one? Oh, it's tough. I, koalas are special has really touched uh, a few of my um, singers and I think it's the sweet the sweet piano part and because the because I think the piano part just really complements the the sweet koala nature mm. and some of my some of my shy singers have really found some some fun in that like they've really they've been able to really enjoy themselves in that song so and of course like they love koalas so I mean they the the there's that as well but uh, uh, I think I the and that descending line they they sing so beautifully Joey's are kept like that that's just such a singable line and I find that they really enjoy singing it so I think right now it's koalas, although Swamp <laughs> Friends is pretty funny. Oh yeah, I, I like the the imagining the the moose walking by with this frog trying, you know, thinking, well, it's no good to stick my tongue out and stick to his <laughs> hairy butt. When but I always I always fun. ask the kids to read the lyrics aloud. That's always a, um, one of the exercises that we do. Uh, that that's helps, a great strategy. That helps to to facilitate their reading of the score because they've already kind of worked through the words. It's a great way to work on the diction and make sure that they're saying the words correctly and that they understand the words. Um, And whenever we did, whenever the kids read through that, they always laughed (laughs) at the end, like the punchline at the end. Yeah. So you, so that was, they do like that one. Um, But yeah, I think, I think as we go along the end, I always react to what the kids like, like when I see them make a connection or if I see their faces light up or if they just giggle, right? Like Mm -hmm. space cats, like a lot of my girls love it because they love cats and then their imagination goes, you know, well, what would they do if they were in space? And like, I love it when they, when they have like a little... Oh, well, they would do this, and then they tell me what the space cats would do, and I, that that's just lovely because they're they're imagining other things, and it takes them to a different place. Those are those are cool. Yeah, it's very important to me as a composer with anything and everything that I write that a the lyrics scan that it feels right within the language so that's important and that the lines they're singing are are a melodic line that feels right to sing if we're doing uh you know a triad then that there's purpose so it either has to have you know a specific purpose that i'm trying to achieve or it's got to have a lyrical line so it's lyrical to sing um but it it irritates me no end when i hear songs that are written for children that sound like somebody has just said, oh, it's for kids, that's good enough. Ooh. Which really rots my socks because children have such great imaginations and they are so creative. And and to give them the best lyrics in the best music that we can and not give them trite um, things that are kind of condescending sometimes, mm. I, I find. It's, it's like... I would like to guarantee that anything that I'm going to send your way and the way to your teachers will be the best quality that I can create for children to sing. Probably, well, not probably. I was going to say equally as important as lyrics for adults. I love it. It's well, just a different level. I I know... I can honestly say, and I'm pretty sure a lot of my colleagues will back it up, is whenever your music is performed at a recital, everyone has a good time. Oh, that's good. When when my vocal class sang the vacation song, everybody was laughing and 
just having a great time. And Computer Cat has stolen the show <laughs> like so many times. And, and the kids get into it. And it's such a funny story. Although nobody, I have to explain to kids what Ram is. And yes, <laughs> and of course, now it's like, you know, now we have wireless mice. And I mean, like, you're going to have to rewrite yeah. the lyrics to modernize it. But but no, well, I could still eat the mouse. He just doesn't have a cord coming out of his mouth. <laughs> the mouse is still in there. I don't care how it gets in there and what it's attached to. It's still in his gut. Um, um, but and to, I think computers still use RAM, actually. They do, I, but I, nobody. I, I have to always explain it to them. Yeah. That's RAM. Um, yeah. But, but no, I, I've he, always I've always had that. The parents have always loved your music. The other one, my favorite, all-time favorite, is 40 Little Birdies. If I was going to record yeah. a jazz album, I would totally put that song on there. That's funny. That's funny. Well, Andy and I have been singing together since 1996. Wow. And, yeah, that's a long time. And uh, the songs that we sing when we're out performing are 95% original. Mm -hmm. And of those 95% original songs, we sing and have sung some of those songs since 1996. And it's <laughs> like when you've got this big rock band that's going out and they're standing there and, and you want to hear them sing your favorite song. Mm -hmm. And when we go sing at schools, the kids want to hear Ed the Invisible Dragon. We have been singing Ed the Invisible Dragon <laughs> Since 1996, every single show we've done, probably a thousand shows, we've sung Ed the Invisible Dragon a thousand times. So if you're going to write a song that you know you're going to sing for 25 years, a thousand <laughs> times, you want to make sure that it's something that either amuses you or is worth singing, because otherwise you would just pull out your hair. Wise, so, wise words right there. <laughs> well, I... Um, I really, I truly have to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, when, when our studios closed and everybody had to very quickly transition online, um, I asked you if, if it would be okay if we could put out uh, a digital download of the vocal studies for kids and you were right there and you were on it and you have put in so much time over the last couple of weeks and and again shout out to the full voice team so my husband Sean who will probably never ever speak to me again uh, and and to um, Heidi and to Mim. Mim's been doing the engraving. Heidi's been doing the proofing. We have been online all day looking at copies and drafts and making edits. And I, it's just, I want to thank everybody for working so hard. The reason that these, we wanted to get this out is because these studies transfer really well to the online teaching and because we've got backing tracks with them, because they're easy to teach, call and answer, and because the kids are having so much fun. So the original project, Vocal, Vocal Studies for Kids, is actually a very large book that you and I are still continuing to work on and which will be out hopefully end of August. But this is kind of like a teaser sample of some really great songs that are in there that can be used right now. So I want to thank you like so much. You are very welcome. I want to thank you because the voice teachers that have you advocating on their behalf and and being so supportive in what can be a very terrifying new uh world of this whole online thing. I mean, you have done such wonderful things to be a support, not only to your students, but to the teachers of their students as well. Just, I mean, the fact that you can create the, the digital supports that are needed right now is so important because it allows people to continue to do what everybody needs right now. So thank you well, for all that. Oh, thank you. I'm, I just, I just love the fact that I can send you a topic and some foundational music things and go, hey, what do you think about this? And then in pops all these new songs <laughs> into my inbox. It's like Christmas Day when a Donna Rodenizer song pops into my inbox. Oh, and um, I wanted to mention to everybody, I haven't put them out yet, but... 
So we wrote the Easter Bunny, oh no, you wrote Easter Bunny Hop, Hop, Hop. <laughs> and, but then you had some other lyrical ideas. So you did two, you did two well, new the lyrics. East, the Easter one you posted and somebody made a comment and said, I don't have any littles that I'm teaching vocal music lessons to, but I really like the Easter Bunny Hop, Hop, Hop song. So I downloaded it anyway. That, that was well, Shannon. Gee, that was that, Shannon, Shannan, that's Coates. Was, yep. Dr. Shannon yes. Coates was singing so the Easter then, Bunny then, Hop, I mean, Hop, Hop. So then, I mean, as a composer, what are you supposed to do with that? So I said, okay, well, this woman needs some adult lyrics. So I wrote an Easter bunny hop, 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 or hop to it bunny, like an adult version, to, <laughs> to send to Shannon. But then I thought, well, gee, if it's important to sing these arpeggiated domi so, do songs, then, well, you don't want to just sing that for two days and put that away. So then I I wrote lyrics for uh, that written to a coffee theme but then you can't just do coffee because kids might want to sing it again so then I wrote a chocolate version as well so but now I, I have to stop writing lyrics to that <laughs> tune and start something else okay so so eventually uh eventually I, I gotta give my team a bit of a break after what I've put them through for the last couple of weeks uh but w I will get those out so there's the do you remember the first line of the coffee what's the first line I love coffee hot 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 Da, 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 da. Please put on the coffee pot. Cup oh. of Java. Hot, hot, hot. Good for sitting or to go. I just need a cup of Joe. When deciding on the roast, medium or dark or both, I don't care. Just pour it in. Let my coffee break begin. I love it. So. Okay. And the, do you have the chocolate one? So the chocolate one is I love chocolate, dark or white. Solid chunks or little bites. Chocolate <laughs> bars or chocolate chips. I just want it near my lips. In dessert or in a shake. Ice cream, torts, or pie and cake. I love chocolate every day. Chocolate, chocolate, all the way. And oh, it's just this... Brilliant. So it's it. all, you know... I love it. Okay, so I will get those out. I will add those to our, uh, to our Freebie Friday page. I think they're brilliant. And I like the chocolate one. It's actually a really good tongue twister. The the yeah. it's a really good one. Oh, Donna Rodenizer. You've got thank tongue twisters. You've got tongue twisters coming too, don't you? Yes, yes. So in our in our finished product of the vocal studies for kids, we have some fantastic tongue twister songs. Which Donna just asked me, send me your favorite tongue twisters, and I did. And she wrote all these cool songs to them. The uh, I wish to. We're wash trying to appease appease the uh, tech team and and there's actually Sean the Swan yes. in there just <laughs> sort of like please I, keep doing what you're doing we'll write you a song I don't think that will ever I don't know do I, it's I'm gonna have to I don't know what I'm gonna do Talk poor guy he's he's exhausted <laughs> anyhow <laughs> Donna you are in you are inspiring and wonderful and so many singers love your music and teachers love teaching your music. Thank you for being a partner. Thank you for being a, a, a returning guest on the podcast. And I really hope that soon, someday, I'll, I'll be able to visit you again in Nova Scotia and none of this social distancing. I'll be able to give you a big hug. Excellent. And we might even put the fire on, even if it's like August, just oh. so you can sit by the fire. Donna oh, really? and Andy, Donna and Andy have, like most homes in Nova Scotia, this beautiful fireplace. And and that if there's one thing I have always wanted in my home is a is a real fire, not gas. Right now we have like one of those little electric ones that lights up it has like disco lights it's not the same <laughs> my mother has the one that you push the vcr oh. um, thing in and it goes on the tv that's that's one step lower than that yeah. <gasps> oh okay well someday we'll be able to sit by your fire and and not be Excellent. six feet apart thank you so much i'm gonna put a link to all your wonderful uh, wonderful websites and they will be up and running and people will be able to um, 
to uh, to get your wonderful music. And I also want to mention that Donna is, and Andy, they are both members of the Voice Teachers for Young Singers Forum. So if you have questions for Donna, please, uh, please, you can, you can reach out there. And um, uh, again, thank you for your wonderful work on our new resource. And I hopefully will see you face-to-face someday soon. That would be lo- lovely. A very special thank you to Donna for joining me on the podcast and for collaborating with me on this really fun uh, project. We have had such a great time. Now, if you would like to get your copy of Vocal Studies for Kids, just visit our website, thefullvoice.com forward slash vocal studies. And I also want to shout out to all our friends in the UK and in Australia, because you can get a crotchet and quaver friendly version. As always, I am wishing everyone inspired online teaching happy singing, and please keep well. Made my canoe music. Canoe music.ca